I would definitely say try and create some sort of structure that means that things can run without you because it's very hard to take the next step and to move on to something else. And most of us, we're ambitious. We've mastered one thing or we haven't even mastered that thing yet. We've got another idea about something else that we want to do. So how else are you going to be able to take that next step and move on to that next thing if you're not letting go of the current thing that's actually a full-time thing? Always ask why. Why is this the way it is? The whole goal is to rise the industry, to grow it. Yeah, don't worry about giving us credit, guys. We're not here for that. If it grows the industry, that's what makes me happy. When you first said it, I was going to hang up. (laughs) It's not a race you want to win. Yeah, you're going to lose because it'll be too cheap. You'll be working for like McDonald's money. Otto, Mitter, Andre, show from Alibana. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on board. Okay, we'll take 20. I I can't do math. I'm a beauty professional. Yeah, they panning. I do teeth whitening. I'm like, okay, there's some point where you got to draw a line. My biggest concern is longevity and making sure that you've got the best possible mechanical fit. If you're looking for a lash podcast that will challenge how you do lashes, build you up, and help you create a business that not only thrives, but allows you to live a life you're proud of, you've come to the right place. This is Lashcast, your friend in the lash industry. Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today, we have Dion Thomas on our podcast. Dion Thomas is a salon owner, business mentor, and head trainer. She runs a business called Love and Lashes, and we met her a year ago in the UK at the London Lash Conference, which we were just about to go to again, and I believe she's going to be there. Excited to see Dion. We're happy to have her on, and we recorded this. I didn't realize how long ago. We recorded this back in July. So it's been a while. It's been a while. Yes, we are way backed up on some of our episodes, and I'm very grateful that she is very patient and loving and kind, as her title says, Love and Lashes. And we are basically going to be having her come on and talk about her story. And it's a good one, guys. I love hearing the backstory of people in our industry because it lets us all know that whatever our path, our journey that we are in, it's normal because it's all going to be different and they're all going to have our difficulties. So we're going to talk about her and her corporate background and really how she had to leave it because really she felt like her employer didn't care about her, which is a typical problem with any business is going in and being an employee. And does my boss really care? If I left today, would they care? Do they see me as a way to make money or do they see me as a person who provides value and is important? So unfortunately, she didn't feel that way there. And so she ended up leaving. And then she goes on and talks about how she had to care about her father and how his passing away ended up actually getting almost her boss tried to get her fired. So really toxic work culture, right? And this unfortunate situation led her into what really got her in the beauty industry, which that's that at least like anything in life, right? Bad situations come and then out of those bad things, often good things follow. And she got in the beauty industry as because of all this stuff, craziness working at this company and what happened with her father and so forth. And then she talks about building her business and how while building this business, she was evicted from her home and how this situation is really what pushed her and her husband to move to Turkey, which is where she now lives, but she still has a salon in the UK. So not your typical story, guys, not at all. How many people have a business or are in somewhere and they get evicted and that ends up making them want to go overseas and run the business from overseas. Not very common. And it's actually, I think, a really hopefully encouraging and hopeful story for all of you who are maybe in your own weird season right now. I know the economy has been weird. I know a lot of people aren't feeling like they're busy like they have been. And so maybe you're struggling, you're a little stressed, a little worried. And hopefully this episode will be of a great encouragement to you. 
So before we get into all that, what do we have, guys? Well, we have announcements. Hey, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, that's January 12th. Well, this is your last day to get in into our coaching program, the Clubhouse or Lashcast Clubhouse. This is it. We are closing the doors at midnight tonight. Why are we doing that? Because we really want to focus on our community and really give them value. While we call this our beta, I, one of the things I realized, some people think we're calling it beta. It's like, oh, you're just practicing on us. I promise you, we're not practicing on you. And we're calling it beta because we're just not really selling it very hard right now. We're not going out there and trying to do a, a get 500 people involved. We do want to test what we're doing. We have some great ideas. I think it's really useful to you. If you have a, if you're a last artist, I think any, in any stage of your career, this is going to be helpful. I'll say this. If you're super booked out and you're busy and you're charging a lot, no, you'll learn things from us that will help you continue to grow, but it probably is less helpful to you. Actually, I know a lot of our listeners are that tribe. We're looking really for people that are in the earlier stages of their career who really don't have systems in place, who don't know what numbers, like they don't know how much they should be charging for their prices. They don't know really how much money to set aside for their own salary or how much to put towards if you have a front desk, if you have a salon, or how much you put towards marketing, how much you put towards back bar, how much you put towards all these things. There are numbers out there that will help you predetermine how much money to spend and where to spend it. So we're going to share that type of stuff. And we're going to share how they'll improve your customer service. And there's going to be a lot of Q&As, live interactions with you guys, a lot of opportunities for you to have access to us so that we can download our DNA and share how we've built our businesses over the years, at least the best practices, because every business is a little bit different. But there are best practices that are universal. So if that sounds interesting to you, Go to our show notes today and sign up. It's only $87 and you have a 60-day trial period. You can pay. You can try the first 60 days. You pay for it. But if you're not happy, well, you can cancel and we'll refund your money. That's how strong we feel about what we're doing. We really believe that we're going to give so much value that even after 60 days, if you're not happy, we'll refund your money. No questions asked. So there's really no risk. All you have to do is jump in, sign up today, and you'll be part of our clubhouse. And really, you're part of our founding members, by the way, which is, I think, a little bragging rights. So that down the road, one day, you're like, yeah, I was the first. I was an early adapter. I jumped in before anyone else. I know there's a lot of coaching programs out there, and a lot of them are doing good work, but I don't know anyone that has 19 years of experience. I don't know anyone who's opened multiple businesses. We have just to brag a little bit, I hate bragging generally, but just show you know, our authority a little bit. We have the number one rated podcast industry, been doing it for six years. We have the largest last conference. When we had a salon, we were the most busy salon in Southern California, and we were the highest, most awarded one and highest rated, like on Yelp and all that. So people loved what we were doing. And we've done this multiple times now. So we want to be able to share that with you. Most of the times when you talk to a lot of trainers, they've done some good work on Instagram and maybe they've been in the industry for two years, right? Which is fine and you can learn from anyone, but the amount of knowledge and of experience, like we've failed greatly and we've succeeded greatly. We have been through every kind of storm. We've been, went through the Great Recession. We've been through these last few years. We went through COVID and survived, right? There's all these different crazy things that have happened over the last 20 years and we built our businesses through these things, and we'd love to share how we did it with you. So lots of experience, a lot of knowledge, and if you listen to our podcast, we are very open about what we do, and we're open about our failures. We're not going to um, lie to you and tell you things that aren't true, and we're also not going to promise you the world, like, oh, yeah, take our training, and then you'll double your income in three months. I don't know if you'll be able to do that. Maybe, 
but we're going to give you principles, sound principles that allow you to build a business that has that type of potential. But I'm not going to sit here and, and, and lie to you because really a lot of times this is marketing guys. They're just using marketing like, hey, I, I became a millionaire so you can too. Hey guys, I'm going to double or triple your re- revenue. Hey guys, I'm going to do... No, coaches don't do any of that. We never double or triple anything. That's on you. We'll teach you principles. We'll teach you business ideas and then you're going to do it. So, all right, enough to talk about that. We also have coming up January 22nd, we're going to be at London Last Conference. Hopefully we'll see you. Link is in the show notes if you haven't bought tickets. You can get a little discount, and we can see you there in London. The Premier Show in Anaheim, that's February 4th and 5th. We have a great lineup. It's basically a mini Lashcon at the Premier Show. Michelle Rath, and we have Jewel, uh, Jewel, Jewel I, always get, I really need to find out what, how to pronounce her name. I, every time I say this, I say it differently. So I was UL, it was Yule, and now Jewel, Jewel Rafferty. And I've asked her, and she doesn't respond <laughs> how to pronounce her name. I feel so dumb. If you listen right now to this, I feel horrible. Please um, just ignore me and punch me the next time you see me in February. Michelle Wynn from PLA, Chris Carr from Last Guy Pro. They're all speaking. Tustney's also. Five amazing speakers over two days, all basically included with the ticket price of for 95 bucks. Links in the show notes. Tustney's retention course, we've talked about that. That's coming. It'll be in the spring. Coming. That's all I can say. It's going to be a hybrid class. You watch it online. Take some classes, do a live Q&A, and then do one-day hands-on training for only $9.97. And we're going to have classes here on the West Coast and on the East Coast. So, anyhow, that's all I have for announcements. Thanks, guys, for waiting through all that. All right, so now let's get into our episode where we sit down with Dion and really talk about her last journey. Smart Cookies, we are coming to you from the Lashcast studio. I'm so excited to introduce our next guest to you. We met her at the London Lash Conference. Back in January, like 10 years ago. I know. Well, it feels like <laughs> many years because we've seen her a couple of times, but it's only been this year. But we thought she would be a wonderful guest just because of the life that she's lived, the how interesting it is. What, yeah, she's doing she, something very unique, something yeah. that we don't... I've never met anyone else doing it, so we're really excited to have her on. Dion Thomas from Love and Lashes. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, I think we connected first on Instagram. You started reaching out to me last year. And then you, I think you said, I'm going to be at the London Lash Conference. And immediately, I think when we showed up, you came and sat right next to us. and We hang out for the whole con. It was actually really fun. Yeah, we were on the same table, weren't we? Because we were speaking. So yeah, it was, you guys got me into sparkling water, actually. I've, uh, oh, really? I've been drinking. <laughs> Isn't uh, it great? Bubbly water makes you think that you're drinking something and it's so refreshing and it's so good for you. And it's, I say, if it's not sparkling, it's not worth drinking. No, that's uh, true. It does. <laughs> Live high How fancy is it? I put sparkling water in my water bottle and carry it around with me. Yeah. <laughs> so, and Dion, also, then we saw you again at Lash Fest, also. So, we got to see you yeah. twice this year, which was really cool. And you did get to speak. And I know that you've done quite a bit. You have quite a few accomplishments as far as winning awards, being recognized. But I think your most interesting accomplishment is that you live outside of the country that your business is in. You have a business in UK and you live in Turkey. <laughs> so yeah. not exactly like <laughs> five minute drive away. I'm like next door in Ireland or something like that. I'm literally have to hop on a plane to get to work, which we find ex- to get to work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is not the typical thing. So, but before we get into all that, I thought it'd be great to go back a little bit and first just hear about how you got into beauty, your background and all that and why you went into lashes and then we'll circle around and get into all the other fun stuff. 
Okay. So I trained in 2008. So Wow. Way back. A really long time. Yeah. I had no intention. And it's really weird. When I look at myself, how I am now, I can't believe that it wasn't a goal of mine to have my own business and to start my own business. But it all happened very strangely and very organically. I used to be an executive assistant. So I I had an office job and I was like, executive assistant, it's just a PA. So I was doing that and I loved my job. I I put so much into it. I worked really hard um, for my boss and for the company that I worked for. And then my dad, who had only just come back into our lives a couple of years earlier, maybe even like a year earlier, was basically very unwell and was dying. So between me and my brother, we had to take time off to take care of him. And I worked in London. I lived close to London and my dad lived in Kent. So it was quite a drive. So I was out of the office a lot, but all the time I had out of the office was authorized annual leave or authorized work from home. I did absolutely everything that I needed to get done all of the time. I never let anything slip. I just wasn't physically in the office. Anyway, my dad died a week before Christmas and then the office closed. And my first day back in January, I got taken into my manager's office with HR and they basically told me that I was, this is a disciplinary hearing, you're in trouble for the time that you've had off. So for me, that was it. I did manage to get the disciplinary overturned. My manager had to formally apologize to me. I was able to prove that everything was done. I didn't slip at all. He just physically didn't like the fact that I wasn't physically in the office. But that kind of, it just, I just thought, no, like I can't have someone telling me that what I did was not okay because I was doing absolutely everything to keep all ends of things balanced. And I know that I was doing a good job. And I just thought, wow, like with all due respect, I didn't know my dad that well. I was just taking care of him because he didn't have anyone else to take care of him. And what would happen if this was somebody that I was super, super close to? I am not allowed to live life as well as have a career. And so that was the catalyst for me. I, I went home. My now husband gave me this little book. He had it and it was 75 businesses you can start on a shoestring. I think it was called. Oh, really? <laughs> and yeah, it was a tiny little thin book, just little paragraphs of what you can do, what you can do. And there were loads of things in there. And one of the things was beauty therapist. And I thought, you know what? Like, I could do that. So that was it. I trained. I kept my job and I did my training evenings and weekends for however many months that that kind of, they're all short courses. And then my plan was to stay at my work and build up my client base evenings and weekends. I wasn't a mom at this point. I didn't have children and gradually phase out to leave my job and, and work for myself. The moment I'd finished my last call, I was offended at the way I was treated. And because of that, I was like, do you know what? I'm leaving. I'm doing my own thing. And I left my job. I rented a room in a local gym, Fitness First. And I literally just started my business. Like I had no clients. I had no, I didn't even have experience other than maybe a few people out of training. And I trained in everything all at once. So it was a bit of a wild journey. And I just began my own business and I had no choice to make it work. I didn't live at home with my mom. I was already living as an independent adult. I'd gone from having quite a good salary to now no salary plus rent at home, plus rent for the the room in the gym that I was working for. I had to make it work. And so I, I kind of just did my thing and just went really hard with my marketing and just like that's been my journey. I've been self-employed ever since. So yeah, that was 2008. Not long after that, I got pregnant with my first child. And of course, I had that moment where I felt like this is probably the worst timing ever. I've just started my own business. I've left a job where I would have got maternity pay. But again, we made it work and it turned out to be the best thing ever because I did put my kids in nursery and school, but I was always able to work around 
I could choose my own schedule. Like, let's be real. Of course, there was definitely phases where it just got so busy that I was working morning to night, but it was on my terms and it worked for the family. And so that was that. And then it did get too busy. It got way too busy at home and it was ridiculous. Clients were wanting appointments like a year in advance. And I was like, (laughs) I don't, yeah, I'd get these text messages with every two and a half weeks. And I'd be like, I, like, it's February. I don't know what happening in the summer I don't yeah. know and it was just too overwhelming and it was a massive blessing that I was so, so busy popular, but yeah so busy but my ladies kept on saying to me you need to get you need to get someone else and train them up so we can have the lashes that you give and at the same time I was getting a lot of inquiries for like training and I wasn't a qualified trainer again it just wasn't even on my radar which is so strange when I look at myself now but I would just refer everyone to the lady that trained me let me interrupt for a second because we're getting so far into this and there's so much that you've said that I am so it's intrigued so by. And I want to go back and, and highlight and ask some questions and we can go, I guess we'll say, we'll come back to where you just got so busy that you had to make some new decisions, which sounds like there's another big pivot in your life or a changing point. So going back first about your job, which I think a lot of people miss as such a key component to keeping team members around. And that's like, they obviously didn't care about you personally. They only cared about the business or your boss and his opinions had a way of protocol. Like the only way this company will work is if Dion's actually in the office and every I day. See her. And I, I see her. I lay my eyes on her beautiful the, face. Yeah. didn't look at the work. Didn't look at the production. Didn't look at what was getting done. That didn't matter. And, and because he had obviously a, a personal vendetta, it sounded like almost because he was maybe jealous that you were not at work as much and able to get everything done. Who knows? But that said, the big key for me, and I see this all the time in companies, is if you don't care about your employees and about them individually, be empathetic to what's going on like in their life. Like what's happening. Like didn't you say that you got permission to have those times off? I went through every single day and it was like every single email. I was like, okay, this is everything I submitted on this day. These are all the days that you actually authorized that I could work from home or were annual leave. It was never even a case of on the day. I had a schedule with my brother because my dad didn't live close to us. So we have to be very organized with his care. So everything was authorized. He just, I don't think he was a bad person. And of course, I'm very grateful that this happened and it's, it's put me to where I am now in my life. But I just think he didn't think it through. Again, it was just lack of respect, wasn't it? And it was lack of the fact that it was just not recognizing the fact that I'm actually a human and life happens. And I do get that because as the manager, I'm not going to lie and say sometimes when the girls aren't able to come into work or they want time off and they haven't given the correct amount of notice, it's it is hard. an inconvenience. Yeah. It is an inconvenience. Let's be real. We're going to be thinking with our business heads, but I definitely feel like that has helped me in my managing staff. I've got a team now, and I think that experience has definitely just kept me a little bit grounded with the way that I deal with, with the girls. Definitely. No, I would think it would have a huge impact so that you're more empathetic. But at the same time, on the other side, as we know as employees, yeah, the worst thing that happens is you like for us, uh, when we would get a call the night before saying, I'm sick and I can't come in tomorrow. And it's like 11 p.m. We have clients at 7 a.m. tomorrow. This is a, It's a little yeah. late to be telling me. And it would always happen like when you're about to go on a trip or, or, yeah, or you have a doctor's there. appointment that day. And it's like something special with the kids. So, and it's like you have to fix it. You have to be there. So, yeah, yeah. we started telling our staff like, hey. I want to know if you're feeling sick, tell me like during the day, like it's like two in the afternoon the day before. Tell me then, because that gives me still time to adjust pivot. I don't like getting texts at midnight saying, oh, I don't feel well. I can't come. If you knew you were not feeling well. Sometimes it happens. It does happen. You, you can't be. And I also learned initially I was a little, 
I, I think I wore my emotions on my sleeve a little too early. In the early days, like someone would share something and they could tell I was irritated. And I realized, oh my gosh, I can't be irritated. If you they can, call man. Me, You're Santa Claus. I got to be like, okay, you know what? We got you. We got you covered. Don't worry. I, inside, I'm like going, oh, crap. But I can't be acting that way or giving that impression because it makes the employee feel like, oh, you don't care about me. I'm not important. I'm sick. Yeah. And it's not that you don't care. It's just that you have, you're wearing a number of hats and you're immediately thinking of the implications yeah. that that's going to have on the business. And you, you go straight to, okay, I need to, sometimes they'll be talking to you about stuff and you're just thinking, okay, I need to get on the phone. I need to be moving <laughs> things around. I need to be doing, you, you know what I mean? I get it. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, it's so inspiring because I know so many people right now are stuck somewhere that they hate where they're working with yeah. an employer or maybe they only like their own business that they built right now and they don't think they can just change and uproot and start over. And I think what you did shows, yeah, you can. You just got to do the burn the bridge and say, I'm not going back though. I am moving forward and I'm not going to let anything stop me and be relentless. Yeah, I was relentless. Yeah. I was relentless. With yeah. It. Yeah. Has that always been like in your DNA or is that something that you've grown in as you've gotten older? Or I don't know. I think the situation, like I say, it just it just offended me. So because I knew how much I gave to that company. It was a massive office and there were maybe hundreds of employees and there were maybe five of us that were there too late every single night, not getting paid any extra, just doing what we needed to do to make sure that everything was taken care of. And I was one of those five people. And so it was just a case of, okay, like, like I was just so offended. And it, it just gave me that push that I needed to just move forward. And if I'm honest, I'm definitely someone who just does things make the decision, figure it out later on. That's definitely who I am. But I never looked back. Like I never looked back. I just, it wasn't even a thing of, okay, I'm going to try this for a little while. And then I'll, I know that I've got my, my good admin skills. Like I know I can go back to that. That was never it. It was just, okay, I'm, this is what I'm doing now. And so we're going to do it with everything I've got. And I've been doing it for a while now. So it's, it worked out for me. Thank God. Yeah. Did you have some savings that you could help float you during that time? Or were you literally no. paycheck to paycheck? Just no. Paycheck to paycheck. I was just young, like I was like 25, 26, I don't know. Um, and yeah, it was, I had nothing. I had nothing. I just paid for my courses. It was over a period of time. So I'd book one course, pay for another. And then, like I say, like I had every intention of staying. It's just because of the way I felt, I no longer could. I just knew that I couldn't. I'm, I definitely struggle with, like, I can't pretend. I'm not, I can't pretend in any, in any way. I can't. So it was like, I know that I I don't want to be here anymore. And so that's it. I've got to go. I've got, I've got to figure it out. So no, I had nothing. But it was great because it was like, I was went from getting paid monthly to just to getting paid daily. And like I say, like I just really went hard on my marketing. And of course I had to adjust, but it was just always all right from the beginning. Thank God. And I also think that knowing where you are now, the fact that you have your business in England and that you live in Turkey, it, you maybe learn those skills at the at that during that crisis in your life of having to get all your work done by not being in the office. I can see. Do you think that's where you got your training in that a little bit out of an adversity, out of a crisis? This is all before COVID, too, by the way. Yeah, so. <laughs> you use that opportunity to pivot and make develop some new skills, and it led the way for you to be able to have this unique work life situation. Yeah. I, I never, ever thought about that like that. Never, ever. Maybe. I, th I think really it, it's that. And that probably did help. But I think it's just determination, isn't it? It's mm. just like, 
when you have to make stuff work, you have to make stuff work. Just find a way. Yeah. You'd be resourceful, (laughs) relentless. And there's a book called Grit. I haven't read it, but the the author really- I need to read it as well. I keep hearing about it. Yeah. The author really talks about there's this intangible that successful people have that maybe less successful people don't have. And that's grit. There's, yeah, the grit is this intangible that you don't know you have it until you're actually, I think- in it. So I don't even know if you can develop grit. It's a, it's one of those binary things. You have it or you don't. And obviously you did have it. And when you your back was against the wall, you, failure wasn't an option. So you just found a way to survive. So I think that's really great. And hopefully inspiring some people maybe in similar situations saying, you know what, I keep coming up with excuses why I can't. And you know what, sometimes you just got to like I forget the analogy. There's some famous general who literally went. He would he burnt all his boats when he landed on to take siege land. He didn't want his crew to be like. But we go always leave and take the boat off the line or the land and go back home. It's like no, we're coming here to conquer and our boats are burning. So either we all die or we conquer. That's our choice. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I think the grit, like you. You shared this story and it's bittersweet about your father hadn't been in your life and then all of a sudden shows up on your doorstep and is in tremendous need. And it's like a lot of people I don't know would have that same response that you did. But what you did was loving and compassionate, not necessarily what he gave you, it sounds like, but you looked at him and said, you have nobody else. So you stepped up and that says a lot about your character. And I think a lot of the blessings that you got from that is developing that grit, making it work. It was hard for you and your brother. How far away is Kent from where you were? He was in Canterbury and I was in Beckenham at the time. So it was maybe... Like an hour, not massively long, only like an hour drive. Yeah. Okay. But it's still, still hard. It, yeah, it's a two-hour round trip. You have to plan ahead yeah. of time and take taking care of somebody, caregiving is giving of yourself. And yeah. it's like any parent knows that, but also I'd have to do it for a parent. Yeah, tables get turned. It's difficult. It's quite remarkable. Yeah, especially a parent that you didn't even know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I was getting to know this man as as I was watching him. Yeah. yeah. So let's get back to where now you've grown a business and you've gotten so busy. You've had your, are you married too? Or you have at this time? I'm married. Okay. So yeah. you're married, have a ki- one kid at this time? Two, two, two boys. Two, two oh, boys. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. at this point when you were getting crazy busy and, and uh, all oh, that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I had my two children then. Yeah. So you built I, this business so- while having two kids, which again is inspiring because there's a lot of people going, oh, I can't do this. I can't get, I gotta be careful. I think a lot of people can relate because I think a lot of lash artists are moms. Yeah, Yeah. I think probably two thirds or three quarters of them probably in some way are so, or want to be moms too. So a lot, but yeah. So Mm -hmm. how did you get to this point and you had, it sounds like you had to make a decision. Like, do I just keep running chaos here or do I hire out and pivot again? Yeah, it was a lot. I had like, my house didn't feel like a home anymore. And I was also running another business that was from my home as well. So there was just a lot of people coming in and out. And I'm actually quite a private person in terms of my home and my life. And it, I, I made it work for years and it was great. It was fantastic. Like I definitely wouldn't knock working at home until you've really just squeezed, squeezed that situation as much as you can. But it did get to that stage. And so, yeah, I just, at first I started looking for a, just a room. Okay, another little interesting story. At this, my salon that I'm in now, this room that I'm actually sat in, because the girls are in the main salon, 
this is the room that I came to inquire. So I used to live on this road and I came across the road to inquire about renting this room just so I could have one little room for myself. Anyway, it turned out that the woman was really struggling with her business and it was a nail salon. It was a nail salon. And I was giving her loads and loads of advice about what she needs to do to improve her marketing, what she needs to do to increase her client base and just giving her so much ideas. Anyway, we had this arrangement that I was going to start working here and yeah, I was going to pay X amount a month. You know how it goes when you rent a room. And anyway, before next thing I know, it's like the day or so before I'm due to start. And she calls me and says she's actually decided to take on a lash artist herself, employed, and she's going to, she's going to, she, she doesn't need me. She's yeah. I've obviously showed her how good this lash thing is. And so she decided to get someone in that could do lashes themselves and just have that for herself which is fine I I can always respect the hustle but it was definitely just the way it it happened that I Mm. was just not impressed with it's like okay you didn't give me any notice you didn't tell me we were talking all the time yeah and like I said I was across the road you didn't tell me this anyway she knew nothing about lashes it turned out that she hired somebody that could only do cluster do you, do you know what I mean? When yes, I say cluster, cluster yes. Yeah. No, cluster not yeah. good, yes. The, the girl couldn't do lashes. And that I think that was her last ditch attempt to make the business work. Anyway, very soon after that, I decided looking at other premises and they closed down. Bad they, decision they on her down. part. <laughs> good for you. But bad, bad decision for... on her part. Yeah. yeah, lovely lady. It's fine. It's, it's all good. I, I see her out and about sometimes and it, there's no bad feelings. But anyway, they were closing down. And so I mm. literally... My friend told me because she used to come and get her nails done. And I lived so close that she was like, babe, I'm trying to phone them. Can you just pop your head out your door and see if that, see if that the shutters are up or down? And I was like, no, the shutters are down. Anyway, two days later, she found out. She heard back from the woman and they had, they'd shut business. So I was like, when do I go? When do I go? <laughs> when do I go? Do I wait? Is this insensitive? I don't know if I can. So anyway, I just went over, I had a chat and it was like, yeah, we, I, I took it off her hands and it's now mine. So yeah, I've had wow. this place for nearly six years. It'll be six years in, in November. It was around Black Friday. Okay. <laughs> See, Dion, um, Dion wow. it was meant to be. It wasn't at the time. It was meant to be. In fact, it was good that it took a little longer because it sounds like otherwise you would have been in there as more of an employee or renting versus having the opportunity to be the owner now and be your own thing. Yeah, like God is good because it was so perfect. I had two businesses. It was two, it's only a small shop. But it was two shops in one. Mm-hmm. It was on my road. My kids were young. I didn't want to be far away from them. I didn't want to make it inconvenient for my clients who were already used to coming to this road. Yeah. And so, yeah, like free parking, everything about it was just perfect. Brilliant. So, wow. Yeah, I've been here nearly six years. And as soon as I got the shop, I obviously started employing staff and training them. And then I started my training academy as well. So yeah, that's been the last, yeah, I've been doing that for the last six, or six, six nearly six years. Now, a quick question about the training. And I know this is not the focus, but it's always intriguing because so many people want to get into training. And the fact that you started your own training academy, you mentioned earlier that people were coming to you saying, could you train yeah. me? How did that all yeah. develop? Was that very organic? Was it so you were intentionally putting yourself out there to get students? How did that all come no, together? No, really organic. Like I say, it's crazy that I wasn't like that, knowing how like how much hunger and how much drive I've got now. But I just never even thought about it. Like I referred so many people to the woman who trained. I did my classics first and then my volume. Mm-hmm. So I and I stayed in touch with the woman that I did my volume with. And so I would just refer people to her. I'd be like, no, I can't teach you. You wouldn't be able to get a qualification. And also it just I was busy. I was so busy. I just mm-hmm. thought, no, I'm not going to. And then something clicked and I was like, 
you know what? Like you do really know what you're doing. You've been doing this for a long time. You care about things being done the correct way, all of that. So yeah, I just thought, why not? So I literally... It, it was all at the same time. I got my shop. I was finishing my my award in education and training, which is the qualification that you need here in the UK. And yeah, it just all like went from just at home, the kids in the background, just very different vibe to shop, staff, training. Yeah. Everything got very serious and in a good way. But yeah, wow. everything. It sounds like it happened very rapidly. Yeah. It yeah. Sounds, it sounds like it was really organic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I guess for me, the big thing I'm wondering is like, and I'm sure right now anyone who wants to become a trainer is like, how did you get the students? Was it just word of mouth? Like everyone went, Dion's amazing. You should go train with her. Did you, how did you find, because right now, today, at least in the United States, there is a dearth of training and not enough, it feels like I talked to a lot of trainers, not enough students to fill all those trainings. So people are struggling to find students. So I'm wondering if there's anything. When you say dearth, it's like a. Too much training. Too many trainers. I thought that was the other opposite way around. Maybe word. I, maybe I, I used think the word used incorrectly. The wrong word. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of trainers right now and they're all wondering like, how do I get students? And this sounds like you didn't barely have to work Yeah, dearth it. means it's scarcity. Yeah, I don't know. What I'm yeah. Yeah. No, I had people waiting. People were like, I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait. Uh, like my first courses were just booked. First classic courses were booked. My first volume courses were booked. I literally just had people waiting and again like I suppose I don't really take a moment to think about how much of a blessing that was but I've never struggled with students I've never struggled and I'm guessing it's, were they some of them your clients though or did they like the people yeah, that they yeah, were and then they yeah, said they love what you're okay so you got to know them they loved you so much that then they said you know what you're doing is really cool I want to become a lash artist they train and then I'm guessing at this point it's just word of mouth over the time that the word is yeah it's solid you should definitely someone's like if you want to get trained like you used to do you used to refer someone to your trainer. People are now referring yeah. people to you, right? Yeah. So it's, it's the good energy, I think. Yeah. And it's like, I've got, I do get so much word of mouth. I do get so much word of mouth. And it's like one of my girls now, she's amazing. She's coming to the conference with me in October. Ah, hey, hey. I trained her and she refers so many students to me because everyone loves her looks and everybody loves her, loves her style. Mm. And now she's going to start training herself. And I just like... I'm trying to push her, but she's taking her time, which is fine. But I just know that when she does it, she's going to be so blessed because mm. you know that there are some people that are like, oh, I don't want to tell you where I get my products. So I don't want to tell you who trained me. And mm. I just think like that's the opposite of how you should be. When, you're, when you've got confidence in yourself and you don't mind sharing and you know that it's all going to be okay, like things will come back to you. And so, yeah, Chanel, when you do start running your courses, it's going to be going to be awesome. Dion, I just want to really emphasize that I so agree with what you just said, that you should give it away. And you shouldn't, I think that fear comes from a scarcity mindset. They're scared that you're going to, they're going to take your cake, but I think there's enough cake for everybody. Right. And also they're going, they're not going to do the same thing that you do because you're, no no one's you. Yeah, exactly. So I love that you are generous of heart and that you get, you give it away because I think it's also a draw for people. They're like, oh, she is not holding anything back. So she means she's invested in me as a student. I was wondering, is this something, because again, most people in this situation are going to be like, wait, I don't want her to become a trainer because she's going to take students away from me. She's going to become so, a my- yeah, my competition. But obviously, I saw you smiling when you were talking about this. You were literally like Lit so up from within. happy yeah. to see her. In fact, you're saying she's taking too long to get become a trainer. I just want to know, has that always been your wiring or is this something you've grown in this? Because I think this is very distinct about you. 
I just, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really thought about it. But yeah, I've always believed there's enough for everybody. Like, mm. and, and it's like, even at the moment in England, there's this whole thing of cost of living crisis and blah, 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 blah. And I get it. And yes, it's real. But things like that are also as real as you want to make them. Do you know what I'm saying? So I definitely don't buy into... I don't buy into anything going to bring put me on a downer. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I don't. Okay. So we're in a recession and there's a cost of living crisis. Does that mean that there's that money has just evaporated or does that mean that money has just shifted somewhere else? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yes. So it's like, yeah. it's just how you look at things. Whenever someone tries to say something negative to me, I'm like, no, don't do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to hear that. I'm not buying into that. Even when I was pregnant and they were worried about my son, I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not like, I just don't give things like that my energy. And sometimes things really turn out really terribly. And <laughs> maybe my optimism was really just like misplaced and shouldn't have been there. But it doesn't stop me because you can't actually, you don't know how you're going to respond to something once it's happened. So you may as well just be positive, give it good energy. And yeah, I definitely think there's enough for everybody. Like I hear people say they won't train people that are in that area. I could walk within 10, 20 minutes of this place in any direction and there's so many women that I've trained and they're all doing so well and it's fine I don't think about things like that it's you you might as well not be in business exactly what I'm seeing from what you're saying is that there's a discipline of your thoughts of what you think about and and that you choose to focus on the positive which I think is admirable it's actually a discipline we do control how we feel about the thoughts that come into our head or what we think about and by focusing on what is good and what is uplifting and what is true and what is positive is something that can really help a lot of us. So it's great to see how that practice has shaped you. Yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, you open the place and it's so cool. It sounds great because it's near your home. It's a walk. It sounds like walking distance, right? Literally, yeah. like I could pop my head out of my door and see my shop. That's great. That allows you to stay connected with your kids. You're not like an hour's drive, any of that stuff. But yeah. you decided to make a big shift and decide to leave the country while still maintaining your salon. And that's yeah. not, again, something anyone probably even most people I don't, when I ask, what do you hope to do? What do you want to do? Most of them are like, I hope to be a trainer one day. I hope to have my own salon. I want to have a product line. I want to have some other business. I want to leave my employer, whatever. They all have these ambitions and dreams. I've never heard anyone say, I want to move to another country and still run a salon. So, this is something that you did, and I'm wondering what was the impetus. The I know story. what it was. I know yeah. what it was, but tell, yeah, tell us. Yeah, yeah, tell how this all came about. It was always something that you talk about it, don't you? Like we always used to go to this country a lot and we loved it. And it was either there or Jamaica, but Jamaica's very far, and I don't know. If, I think they're a bit too relaxed for me. <laughs> they are relaxed in Jamaica. Yeah, Jamaica's island time, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As much as I want the chill, I don't know if I want that much chill just yet. So it was always something that we spoke about. And uh, it was one of those one day things. And I know everyone around me has like has that as a one day thing. Loads of people do. One day I'm going to move abroad. One day I'm going to do this. And it happened very quickly. I will get into it. My husband lost his mum and dad within a year in 2020 and 2021 and obviously it was a wild time for us we we gave up our place and moved in with his dad to be there and all of that and then um, anyway that was a social housing situation and after he died we thought we could stay there and we got evicted that's the truth I've never said that out loud before <laughs> that is what happened and so when we realized that we weren't going to be able to stay obviously we were emotions were high like it was a, like a really wild time and 
so much going on, big, massive family, everyone's emotions, so many just feelings and it's not just your feelings, it's everyone else's. And so it was a really wild time. And so that happened and we were like, okay, we've just given up our place. We're now here. Now we've got to move again. And I think it had just been such a rough couple of years that just the thought of picking up and starting again, like down the road and everything that comes with that, we were just like so deflated and so over it. And then he said, why don't we just go Turkey? And I'm like, well, this letter says we need to be out in three and a half weeks. <laughs> so what are we going to do in the meantime? And it was, anyway, there was a lot of, that's crazy. Oh my God, no way. That's crazy. Don't be silly. What about this? What about that? By the end of the night, we phoned my mum, we phoned a couple of people and we said, look, we're going in three and a half weeks and we booked our flights. And- <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and we literally threw away all of our stuff. We had no time to sell things. We had no time. I didn't even tell my people till I got there because I didn't have time. Do you know what I mean? I had to sort out my salon. I had to tell my girls and I had to just be in, in forward motion until we were there. And this is during COVID too. This is 2021. So you're dealing with other issues like travel restrictions, probably. Yeah. This is not something people were thinking about moving countries during COVID. It's not an no, easy task. Yeah. When in 2021 was well, this all taking place? The end of 2021. So things were definitely much, much more calm, but I still had issues with traveling and the restrictions. And I really had to stand my ground with certain things that I just weren't prepared to do, like masks on my children and things like that during that time. So basically in three weeks or less than four weeks, your whole life went from, hey, we're living in my deceased father's home to now we're moving to Turkey. We sold everything and we moved out. Again, you seem to move with brilliant speed at times. <laughs> I don't know how anyone, I've never, I don't know if I know anyone could do that. If you said, hey, okay, here's your challenge. Lose a loved one and in the, within a month's time, get evicted and move to a new country. And by the way, you have a business still at your old home. You talk to that, like, how does that work? Yeah. How do you What live? struggles or yeah. what things you have to overcome? There had to be some huge obstacles. I was already homeschooling, so I wasn't in my salon a lot anyway. I'd made the decision during all the COVID stuff. They were at school and they they went back after the closures. They was open, they were closed, there was all of that. And as somewhere along that journey, I just made a decision that actually I think I'm the best person to <laughs> prepare my children for, for life. And so I, I took them out of school. And so I had a manager at the time. I had a great team at the time. And I was not in the salon very often. I'd come in. I wasn't doing clients anymore. I'd stepped away from that. I built up the team. I was only really coming into like little bits here and there. And obviously, of course, for training, I, I still did a lot of training. So I was coming into training. But it was, I don't want to make it sound like a breeze because it wasn't. It was definitely challenging. But I think that you can figure anything out. Where people get in their own way because they overthink things. And you probably noticed the pattern. I definitely don't, I definitely don't overthink things too much. I just was like, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Like it's a one-way ticket at this point. I'm just going to look at it like that. I always know where this place is. I know that I can just land back here anytime and everything's going to be okay. So yeah, we just did it. I had to obviously prioritize the children and the salon, making sure that they saw their cousins and their friends and the people they wanted to see before we went. And then obviously I had to just, like I say, things were already running here without me. I had to just tighten that up and make sure that everything was all right. And then that was it. It's like a two, three hour time difference. It's not like it's the other side of the world. It's definitely a whole day to travel. But yeah, I but you're actually think. you're ahead of schedule, so in some ways it's better because you wake up before the salon starts. Yeah, so you're yeah. in your day when everything starts happening in the UK. So that I'm I'm guessing yeah. if it's the other way around would be worse. You probably have to wake up 
early in the morning. That would be worse, yeah. yeah. But it's worked out quite nicely for me because I can wake up, have my time to myself, get my stuff done. And even if I wake up super late, I'm still definitely awake before the salons open. So it sounds like you also had set up things prior to you moving, like you said, to operate and function on their own. Like this wasn't like if you were in the salon every day, taking seven clients, managing a staff and doing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you said bye and you left. I don't know if you've had the same results, but it sounds like because during COVID and with your kids deciding to homeschool, you had already put in systems, communication, operations, marketing, all these things were beginning to be set up prior so you could leave, right? Yeah, I definitely had a culture and I still do of we all do the stuff. There's not like, oh, that person, that thing is that person's role. Mm -hmm. We all do everything. I've got products as well. My products are based in my salon. The girls were already packing and sending the orders and processing that. They were doing the clients. I've got other, my, my best friend trains for my academy. So she was holding the floor with the training side of things. She's not too far either. So it's, she's just in Clapham, Demi, that kind of worked. And I always knew I'd be back and forth. If I'm honest, I didn't think I'd be back and forth as much as I was. But I'm back and forth a lot. So I still do my training when I'm coming to England. I do the things I don't get to do when I'm not here. I just do them when I'm here. And one thing about me is I struggle to switch off and I struggle to leave this place. When I'm here, I'm here till quite late. I'm like, I think of all the things that I need to do. And I'm definitely an all-in person. So for me, creating a situation where... I literally physically cannot be in the salon doing all of the things that I have to delegate has works really well for me because I get distracted with the little things that aren't necessarily part of the bigger picture and parts of growing the, the business that I'm trying to grow. So I definitely recommend that if you're in a position where you have got a salon, I know most people rent rooms or do, do commission, but I would definitely say try and create some sort of structure that means that things can run without you because it's very hard to take the next step and to move on to something else. And most of us, we're ambitious. We've mastered one thing or we haven't even mastered that thing yet. We've got another idea about something else that we want to do. So how else are you going to be able to take that next step and move on to that next thing if you're not letting go of the current thing that's actually a full-time thing? What were some of the key pieces that you had to put in place so you could not, so you didn't have to be in the salon every day? Like, did you, do you have a, a system of like communication? You, you guys have meetings via Zoom or calls regularly. Do you have certain things in place so that operations keeps going, the bills get paid, the product gets ordered? How did you set this all up? Was just, you hired good people and they developed the systems or did you develop them and then said, here's how I like things done. And they said, sure, I'll take it and run with it. So I definitely, if I'm honest, and this is something that I don't know if I need to accept that this is always the way it's going to be, or if I need to take responsibility and see what I can do to change it. But I definitely do have quite a high turnover of staff. I think that's quite normal for the beauty industry. No, I see my is. friends that have got salons and they're in the same situation. So the people are great, but there are problems at times. The girls I've got at the moment are just fantastic. They're the best. They're so helpful to me, but people come and go. But for me, it's like, people are like, oh, you must really trust them. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. So I have to put myself in a situation where I put my trust in that person. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I mean, that's how you get more out of people as well. Because for a fact, if you're showing people that you don't trust them, then they're not going to want to go all in for you. So I definitely have to really trust these people. Like we're like a little family. And like I say, it's a small business and it's a small salon. There's, I think there's like six, seven of us at the moment. So it's still quite intimate. So yeah, I just had to put my trust in them because it's either that or I do everything. And I haven't moved away to chill. And 
I definitely have, but being away gives me the opportunity to focus on other aspects of the business and other things that I'm growing and things like that. I just make it work. With regards to systems, the girls do the clients. They do the salon email marketing. They do the salon Instagram. They pack and send the orders. They get me content. I still run everything else with regards to the product side of things. I'm actually just going to be interviewing tomorrow for a virtual assistant to help me with that side of things because I had one and she's no longer with me. She's moved on. So that side of things, I'm getting back to getting more help and support with running that. Obviously, of course, I do business mentoring and I have a membership. So all of that is all just, that's my role. Um, Ordering stock and stuff like that. We have systems for stock checking and I'm still very much the person that does that. I will time my big lash orders and stuff. I will always time them for when I'm going to be in the UK because I literally want to be the only person that opens those boxes and checks the products and checks the quality and make sure that they're what they should be. Maybe over time I'll be more comfortable with letting go of more of that stuff. I still do a lot, but I've got a great team and I, I trust them. And it's like that being given opportunities to grow and do different things. They're definitely not just like a like a lash artist. Just, there's lots to it. I really like it. I think trust is one of the, if, oh, I mean, communication I put up there, but trust is like what you build your business on. Because when you no longer have that trust, then people, I think, check out. I think once they think, oh, you don't trust me, you don't believe in me, well, then why should I believe in you and what you're doing in your business, right? It's a give and take. And so the moment that you communicate you don't trust them is the day that most employees decide to leave. I heard this one example in a talk years ago, and it's always stuck with me, where there's this guy who's a consultant. He helps companies. And he goes, he comes in and he helps to figure out what's wrong with the company and then offers solutions. And he, after talking to the team, because he'll interview all the employees, talk to the management, and he came back and he said, okay, you guys have really a trust issue and they're like oh yeah no doubt we figure that no one trusts us and i don't know why because we trust our employees he goes no you actually don't there's a cabinet that you keep locked in your office and it has all the supplies that everyone needs for the office supplies like pens paper cartridges all the things you're gonna need to run an office and you keep that locked and they go, well, of course we keep it locked because we unlock it everyone steals everything and takes it home and he goes um just try this for me Try unlocking that cabinet and do not throw away the key. Just try that and see if that will change some things. And they went, we don't believe you. That's going to be ridiculous. But sure, because since we're paying you all this money to be our consultant, we'll give it a try. They unlocked it and immediately people started stealing supplies. Everything got and, stolen. And he's like, they were like, they came see? back to him and said, see what happens? They just steal. They take from you. And he said, just wait. Just give it some time. Like, this is the first week. He says, I don't know if it was a month or two months. And slowly, slowly people, people started returning the stuff. They started returning the supplies because he didn't. they didn't lock the door. And begin, they realized that people were entrusting them. The management was trusting their staff to do the right thing. And then, of course, the staff, when they started saying, wow, they actually believe me. Well, they go, I, I don't want to steal from my employer. I want to do the right thing because they now trust me. And they said that one action shifted the culture in the company from one of we don't trust you to one of what we do trust you. So I, I wanted to bring that up only because I think what you have there is that's part of the secret of why you're able to live in, in our country right now is because you told your team, I'm leaving and I'm trusting you with this gift, this business. Always. Oh, and I still have to always say that. Even sometimes they will message me about things and they're like, what do I do in this situation? And I'm trying to create, like I, I get it. Of course, they still want to come to me and they can, but 
like, I have to keep saying, I trust you to handle that. I know that you can handle that. It's just a constant. It has to be. Which is scary. Yeah, it's scary for you, but it's why employees get excited because they feel like I can do something. I'm empowered. I can have impact. I can make changes. I can do things without someone correcting me left and right. It's, man, that's such a freeing thing because so many employees don't feel that when they work in companies. They feel like if I do anything wrong or everything, we've been in restaurants and hotels where you ask for such a minor thing. Like, could you put a tomato on that? And they're like, I don't know if I can do that. Really? You can't put tomato? Like you have to go back to the kitchen and get permission to get a tomato. And then sometimes they come back and go, no, we can't give you the tomato. You're just like, come on guys, let's be a little more flexible with requests and serving people. Yeah, (laughs) But I just think it's great. I really wanted to highlight that because people don't, I don't think, especially if you want to be an employer, man, just you got to focus on empowering your employees and trust is how you're going to do that. The second thing I want to know is travel then. How do you arrange that? It sounds like you're in a lot right now. I know you're in the UK right now. How often are you back? How regularly? Is it weekly, monthly, or is this by need? How does that all work? No, it's just as and when. Like There have been times when I've had to, if I'm honest, fly back without people even knowing that I was coming and just come in and let people go. And it's been Mm. like... It's, I've had to do stuff like that. But overall, it's usually if there's like a lash event. <laughs> I'm addicted. <laughs> I'm addicted, honestly. Like even the one in May of lashing, uh, I wasn't supposed to come to that. But I just get such bad FOMO and I'm really loving the, the networking at the moment. And so I've done London Lash this year. I did Lash Fest. And so I was, I was obviously here for those. And then I did World Lash University in May. So I time it around stuff like that. We're actually here at the moment because our family, my sister-in-law is about to have a baby any moment. Oh. And then once that baby comes, they're actually moving to China. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. Oh my gosh, a worldwide are, family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is just crazy. Like I even I think it's just wow. Like yeah. I'm just like, wow, China. <laughs> I just want to t- a touch on something that you said and something that I have observed from you. you. You said that you love the networking. You love the lash events. And it's true because when you're there, you're engaging with people. You're talking with people. You stay connected. You, It's crazy. We go to these events. We've and- been to four in the last like five, six weeks. It's been crazy. Yeah, I know you guys are nonstop. Yeah. But I would say that you are in a minority, Dion where you are in the lash industry, you offer training, you are a leader and you stay engaged. You go to these things to learn, to connect, to give back. And a lot of trainers, I'm just amazed that they do not do this. Well, I get told all the time, like I ask, hey, are you going to come to LashCon? And this is like influencer trainer, someone that's at least known. And more times than that, I only will come if you let me speak. And I'm like, so you'll see any benefit to coming to network with your community outside of you be on stage. And they, I never ask, actually ask that specific question. I never do. I just go, okay, well, hopefully you'll change your mind. And most of the time they don't, they just don't want to come because they don't get to be the star. And I'm like, but, but you you're get so serve. much. You learn, you're interacting with your target audience. You get to hear their pain points. Support other people too that you love. And, and like we were just at Lash Fest. We didn't speak. We went to Lash Bash in Hawaii. We weren't speakers or anything like that we just went and hung out with people we were at the one in laguna beach back in june and that was hosted by ellie bana and revelation again 
we were just there to be part of it, to support and to engage. We went, actually, Christine's Let's Get Social. We were not speakers at her event. We went there just to be on staff to help her with check-ins and all that. It was just there to help support fellow people. So I think it's cool because I see you doing the same thing and you're there to communicate, engage, and, and serve the community. Like you said, you get addicted to being with the community. It's nice and it's, it is strange because I'm definitely, I need my space, which is why I think I like being quite far away as well. <laughs> but I really I really love them. I really love the events. Like Lashfest, again, I bought my ticket before I was a speaker. I got given that opportunity afterwards and that was great. I was able to give the ticket to my assistant, but I was going anyway. I was going to fly in anyway, just because again, it's like, it's fun. It's nice. You network and I'm always encouraging people to watch podcasts, listen to certain things on YouTube. I'm always sending things and I, I think it is because I need to constantly be fueled everything's fine but life isn't always easy is it life can be hard and it can be challenging and so for me I have to constantly fuel myself to give me what I need to have that hunger to keep going to have that drive to keep going and so events do that they definitely do that for you I don't think you can unless you're a really antisocial person and I do know yeah I do know some people like that that don't love events just because they don't have the time for talking to people that's not their thing and that's fine but for me I definitely come away feeling fueled up. I feel fulfilled. And it's, of course, it's always lovely when you speak and people give you really positive response. That's amazing. And that definitely really fills me up. But even if I'm not speaking, just being around people and just networking, just learning from people, getting the opportunity to connect with you guys, connect with all the other people, they're nice things to do. So yeah. Thanks why I'm coming to LA. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah just coming to LA. And I think one of the keys is not to burnout, to not burning out, is actually doing stuff like this. Getting outside your box. One of the keys, I think, to not burning out is actually breaking up that routine. For us, when we had our salon, at least three times a year, maybe sometimes four times a year, we went to trade shows, conferences, and we would just meet people, and we always came back with a fire in our belly, ready to make changes, ready to upgrade our business, because we met so many smart people that inspired us that we were like, oh, I heard this idea. I heard that idea. Let's try this. Let's try this. And it drove our staff nuts sometimes because we were always like, we got all these changes we're making. Like, oh my yeah. gosh, more, cha <laughs> more changes for crying out loud. You're always changing things. But so you have to be a little careful about pacing. But that said, yeah, I've learned that. If you're feeling that, burn <laughs> yeah, all, all owners have, right? If you're feeling that burnout, you're feeling dry. Man, find some social event, and there's so many of them now. And LashCon, of course, in my opinion, is the best, but there's so many others out there that are made closer, more economical for you, where you can go connect, find that love, find that acceptance, find that inclusion that you need to feel part of your family and get that fire going. So, yeah, I think that's great, and I love that. You've, you're one of the rare ones, really. I, if anyone's listening who's an influencer or trainer or speaker, normally, like, I want to encourage you right now to be more like Dion, just go to the events and just not expect to always have to be on stage because truth is, especially LashCon, I can't have the same speakers every year. It has to change it, so. Yeah, of course. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you know this. No one knows this because we have announced it in London Lash has it. We're coming back in January to London. So we'll be there at the London Lash Conference. Oh, cute. Again. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be speaking and they asked us to MC the event. So we'll be emceeing the event. London too. Lash. Yeah, yeah. So we're really. Oh, how I really liked that one. Yeah, yeah it was fun. They, it was a they good did. One. Yeah. Very well organized. Yeah. It was so organized. And Hannah's a beautiful person. I really like her and admire her. But it just, like Katine, you can tell that her leadership is so on point because. We got there the night before and I ended up helping them set up and all of that. So I got to know the team and then the next day, obviously, the event and then the next day was the competition. But you can just tell that she's such a good leader 
because it just filters down to her team. Like the whole event, like you just felt so well taken care of. And, oh, I just really loved it. I'm happy they're doing another one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be there. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were announced. It, maybe by the time this comes out, they'll announce it. But they were supposed to announce it soon that they're launching it. And so we're super excited to come be part of it. And you're right. Hannah, I had never talked to her before. I've known about her for years. I remember when I first saw it was on Lash Inc. She was on the cover of Lash Inc. like back in 2015 or 2016, something like that. And so, but to actually get to meet her, talk to her. And she was pregnant and was not been working a lot. Like she has been taking a lot of maternity leave. And her team is still yeah. kept things going. The company has been growing. We met Billy, their CEO, who was just a great bloke. And just really, <laughs> yeah, I just really enjoyed their whole team. And they were just so caring. And on top of things so it was really a shining light for the lash industry and i'm excited that they're bringing it back and hopefully we'll continue to grow and i'm sure we'll have the impact because it was definitely uh well run but i just want to say if there's anything real quickly made the wrap up anything you can share with people who are thinking like okay what dion did is actually pretty cool and i would love to move in that direction. I would love to be able to move, like maybe they have a business in one state, but they want to live in another state, or maybe they want to move in another country, maybe they want to move to another city, but leave the area where they're at, but not have to sell their company. There's any advice or tips if someone's to come to you, like, how can I do this? Maybe there's something you would say, well, here's at least a, there's probably a lot you could say, but maybe just some general guidance you would give someone if they're wanting to follow in your path footsteps. So have that strong faith in yourself that you can do anything. And I think if you have that faith in yourself and you don't have to have things figured out, you just have to decide what you want. And then once you've decided what you want, you just have to know that you will back yourself. And if you know that you've got your own back, then it's fine. And this might sound very kind of airy fairy, but that really is how I operate. Because like I say, like I'm very optimistic. Sometimes I'm too optimistic and things turn out really badly. But do I... Have I not handled it? Have I not come out of that? Did I not move forwards anyway? If you know that you've got your own back, then you can make anything work. And also just don't overthink things too much. There's a way that everything can be done. And sometimes, like with the moving abroad, for example, I talk to people about this all the time. Everyone wants to do it. Everyone thinks that's great. But there's 10,000 reasons why they can't do it. Okay, you might not have everything figured out, but what can you do now? What are the main things you need to do now? And then... Life has shown me that you can't really even plan too much. So it's like, do it and figure it out. You don't know what things are going to arise yet. You just have to get to the other side. You just have to take that step and then you will find a way to figure it out. There's a book called Everything is Figure Outable <laughs> by Marie Folio. Yeah, I know who she is, but I love the name, that title. That's a great title. Yeah. I don't even remember too much about the book. I'm sure it had an impact on me. I read it years ago, mm -hmm. but I've never let go of that saying. Everything is figure outable. Like, what can't you figure out? What hole was you in that you're not in anymore? You figured it out. You found a way. Also, just have that, like, for me, it was, I want to, I'm still very ambitious. I still work a lot. But when I'm doing this, I want to treat myself as nicely as possible. I want to look after myself as much as possible. So how can I merge that? How can I make that? How can I put myself first to make sure that I'm getting what I want? I think that's it. Just yeah. do it, guys. Yeah. No, sometimes like you, I love one of the things you said earlier is that people overthink things and you just don't. And that's really served you well. And I think a lot of people, that's a perfection gene, right? They're just like, oh, it has to be perfect before I do it. And it's like, no, no, action, as I like to say, action brings clarity. And if you just stand still and don't do anything, you will never know if it works or not. But man, 
just stepping in and trying something and you go, oops, nope, that didn't work. Or oops, yeah, that worked. That's where you find that out. And it's only going to come from just jumping in and feet first. Amen. Amen. And it's like with regards to other things, like people might have other goals that they want to implement, things they want to do, but they don't necessarily, they're finding reasons why they can't. It's like, you're never going to be great at anything at the beginning. Yeah, that's so and true. And it's like, we're all trainers. <laughs> we all know this and we all say this to our students. It's a journey. And then when we, because we're a little bit established now, when we go to take our business to the next level, to the next stage, we have all of this fear and this anxiety and this stuff that holds us back because we're thinking, oh, it's not going to be good. I'm not going to be good. Like I've just, I've started my YouTube and my screensaver is I am a YouTuber. I have my plan. I get going and then I get good because I'm not going to be good at the beginning. And it feels very uncomfortable. I'm making my videos and I'm really doubting myself and I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling comfortable. But if I keep going and I accept that I might have to get to 100 videos, 150 videos, 300 videos before I get to where I want this to take me, then it's okay, isn't it? Because I've accepted that this is a stage and there will be other stages. And so just always do the thing. Like that's always my, like, <laughs> just do the just thing, do the you'll thing. figure it out, you'll get better, you'll make it work. What's the worst that can happen? You can always go back to whatever it was you were doing before, as long as you've really given it a chance. And I'm stealing that yeah. phrase. I get going and then I get good. I love Holy, that. That, that is, is that's great. I, that's one of the best things I've heard in a long time because I think that is so freeing for people to realize I just get going and then you the practice and the expertise will come. I heard that from someone else and it helped me so much because it's something that I've wanted to do for so long and I've been holding myself back because of so many other things and it's like, okay, I'm accepting that it's a journey. I'm accepting that I'm going to be a beginner and, and that's it. So true. And hopefully for a lot of people right now, just heard that for the first time, realized that idea, that thing you've been wanting to do today, just do it, get going, and then you'll get good. I, I, I just think it's great. I might, I'm glad to hear, hear that. Every once in a while, there's little catch lines that help guide you in life. Like, oh, that's one's going to help remind me like a grounding principle that I need to remember every day. I have variations of that, but I felt like that was such a good way of saying it that I'm around all excited. Well, anyhow, this has been <laughs> such a joy. And uh, we met you back in January and it was just such a pleasure and, and to meet you and get to know you. I, well, actually, you and me had been DMing a little bit, but I felt like we were kindred souls back even before we met and just sitting there hanging hanging out today was even more special. So thank you for taking time. To- yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys. And where can people find you, look for you and all that? So my account is Love and Lashes and Freedom. That's where I'm very myself. That's where my life is showing. That's where my opinions and my views are shown. Then for the products and the training side of things, which is my main business one, that's Love and Lashes underscore training and biz, B-I-Z. And then I also have Love and Lashes Lash Bar. I might be changing that handle soon, but that's my salon page. I'm in there, but I don't really manage that. So yeah, just and is it Love lo- and Lashes. Love and A-N-D. Yep, A-N-D. Cool. All right, well, go definitely follow her. And if you actually are in the UK, you probably can go get training or look for her for training. I know our audience is mostly US-based, but we have some friends in the UK, so who knows, maybe someone should check it out and give some <laughs> Dion some love and all that. And hopefully, well, we'll see you in October at LashCon, and hopefully we'll also see you in January at the London Lash Conference. It's like mid-January. I think it's like the 15th, 16th, 17th of January, something like that. So, um, Okay. So very cool. So, all right. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It really has been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. 
Hey guys, that's a wrap. We are done. We are out of here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast and at the Last Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my last snowflake Tusney, as well as our special guest, Dion, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you're a friend in the last industry. 